Have you ever felt that some Bible studies are too much? You know, they're too long, they're too deep, they're too serious, they're too theological, and yeah, maybe they're too boring. <laughs> well, we're going to try to remedy that with this podcast, the Where's God? Finding Him in the Small Stuff Bible Study. We're going to take a close look at Scripture. We're going to look at the cellular base of what God was saying through His Word. But we're not going to make it too much of anything. We're going to try to make it just right for everything. When Mark writes his account of what happened at the tomb on resurrection morning, he uses two words that none of the other gospel writers use when they tell their stories of the same event. And those two words that make Mark's account unique are, and Peter. The angel, when he speaks to the women at the tomb and gives them their marching orders, he says to them in Mark, go and tell his disciples that he is risen, he is alive, and Peter, and Peter. Tell his disciples and Peter this message. Well, why did he have to specify that Peter also needed to uh, be told? Why didn't he say, you know, Peter and John, or John and James, or uh, any of the other apostles. He specifically picked out Peter. I wonder why. We're going to talk about that and other things in this episode of Where's God? Finding Him in the Small Stuff Bible Study. So uh, we're now leaving Matthew behind us uh, and his resurrection story, and we're blazing through to Mark today. So if you want to turn to Mark chapter 16, we're going to um, see uh, Mark's account of the resurrection morning at the tomb and uh, how he kind of... Uh, describes what was going on there. So I thought what I would do is uh, read it through here first, and then we'll go back and kind of deconstruct it a little bit. I'm going to, as I did with Matthew when we looked at it the first time, I'm going to give you kind of what my translation says, which is an NIV translation. And then I'm going to also kind of tell you what the original Greek uh, is for the passage, because there are some parts that are a little bit different, but um, basically the thought is the same. So we'll start at uh, Mark 16, verse 1, and it says, uh, when the Sabbath was over, in the original Greek it says, not when the Sabbath was over, but it says, and uh, it, says this, it says, and the Sabbath being passed. So either way, when the Sabbath was over, or and when the Sabbath was 
and the Sabbath was and being and the Sabbath being passed. I'm smooth, aren't I? <laughs> and the Sabbath being passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary mother of James, and Salome, and don't read that incorrectly. It is Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome, not Mary the mother of James and Salome. Right? <laughs> so, okay. Uh, bought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Uh, In the original Greek it says, bought spices, so having having that they they might go, uh, having come, what it says is, Salome bought, bought spices that having come, they might anoint him. And then verse 2, very early on the first day of the week, the original Greek says very early uh, on the first day after the Sabbath, uh, just after sunrise, just after the rising of the sun, they were on their way to the tomb and they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? When they looked up, they saw that the stone which was very large, had been rolled away. Uh, in the original Greek, it is the stone which was large, very. Uh, and the word large there is a word we've run into before, mega, mega, meaning great. And the word very there has the meaning of exceedingly. So the stone was exceedingly great. It is a big boy. And as they, verse 5, as they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. In the original Greek, the word alarmed is really that they were greatly amazed. They were greatly amazed. Wouldn't you be if you saw an angel sitting inside the tomb? Verse 6, don't be alarmed. The original is, don't be amazed, he said. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene who was crucified. Uh, And the original just says, you are seeking for Jesus the Nazarene who was crucified. It's interesting, interesting, isn't it, that even when the angel, and I think we said that we ran into the same thing in Matthew, is even when the angel is speaking to the women, they all know who Jesus was, obviously, but they always put the descriptor of the Nazarene. They put the descriptor of the Nazarene to be specific. It was that Jesus, the one from Nazarene, the Reverend Nazareth. Like they didn't know that, but whatever. You know, it's fine to be specific. That's good language to use. There's no, there's no confusion. Uh, who was crucified? He is risen. He is not here. Now the next word you have is what. C. Anybody have anything different than C? What's that great? Yeah. See the place where they laid him, but in the original, it's our good old friend, behold. And it's not behold, see, it's just the angel just said, behold the place where they laid him. I know. That's there. In the original. In the original, in the original Greek, the word see is not there, it's just behold. The place where they laid him. I guess like it's like to me, it's like, behold, 
the place where they laid, you know, it's like, boom, there it is. Uh, verse 7, but go tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. What do you have next for verse 8? Trembling and what? Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. In the original Greek, it says, trembling and amazement possessed them. What, in verse 8? Verse 8? What do you have? It starts out, and they went out and fled from the tomb, were trembling and astonishment had seized them. I guess well, that is actually that is actually closer to the actual Greek there, honestly. Well, when when we get into really digging down into this, you're going to find out what the word bewildered means, and the word bewildered there, or what you have, what is that you have? Astonishment is probably a better word actually for what they were, and seize is actually uh, a that is. That is good that that's there because that word is there. Because, like in my translation, it says, trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. Blah, blah, blah. You know, like, okay, fine. But in the original Greek, it says, trembling and amazement possessed them. And the word possessed isn't like being possessed like by a demon or something. The word possessed is like, like seize. It, 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 it kind of it fills you up. It's like, yeah, it overcomes you. It fills you up. You're filled with this trembling and this bewilderment. So you don't get that. It's just a trembling and bewildered. The women went out and played for the tomb. Okay, big deal. Then when you say trembling and trembling and uh, 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 trembling and amazed, amazement possessed them or seized them, you get a better idea of just how significant this was and how it affected them. And then finally, uh, we're going to finish it. Verse 8, they said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. And the word afraid there is different from the word uh, that was used for alarmed up in verses 5 and 6. The word afraid there really means to be afraid, fearful. So why did Mark use different words that when you read them in the English sound kind of very similar, but actually in the Greek they're quite different. So we're going to talk about that when we get into this here. So, okay, so let's go back to verse 1 and, um, yes, yes, Dan. This is sort of tangential, but when it says uh, Jesus and Nazarene, that's not the same as saying Jesus and Nazarene. I, I think in many ways Jesus would be automatically a Nazarene. But he wasn't actually a Nazarite. No, because the other thing that Nazarites were not allowed to do was was drink alcohol, drink wine, which Jesus did. So he was unlike uh, like Solomon, I think, was a Nazarite. Yeah, but Samson. I mean, Samson was a Nazarite. Yeah, uh, but but Jesus was not. So okay, so verse one. And being past uh, the Sabbath, uh, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, bought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. No, I just want to say something. Mm-hmm. Mary the mother of James. Yeah. That's not James, that's Jesus' brother. 
No. No. That's a different chance. It's a different mother. It's a different chance. Just history, but history has shown us people who are smart and done that research tell us that. So. Salome would probably be the mother of John and James. I mean, John and um, yeah, John and James. The, uh, yeah, Salome. Salome is not Mary. Yeah, you can. There's two different Jameses. <laughs> well, that's just that's just what it is, you know. That was a common name back then. So, yeah, right. There are people named Jesus back then. So, okay. So, so what did they do? So, when it says when the Sabbath was over, so we know from the way that the Jewish time was kept that the Sabbath was Saturday, but the Sabbath would have ended at sundown on Saturday. The Sabbath was sundown on Friday to sundown on Saturday. So generally speaking, most people just round it off to say six o'clock. So from six o'clock on Friday to six o'clock on Saturday, they were observing the Sabbath. They could not go out and do shopping and buy anything. But after six o'clock on Saturday, they could go, which I think is pretty amazing when you think about it, that like shops were open, at on after the Sabbath on Saturday night, it's, it's just like some people who own businesses, right? They're going to get every penny they can get from you. We're going to open up at six o'clock on Saturday, just after the Sabbath. And I mean, how long? But anyway, so that's editorializing. But 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 the the women went out after sundown on Saturday and were able to go to a shop and buy spices, and they bought spices for the express purpose of anointing Jesus' body for burial, right? So it reminds me of the story of Mary, Martha and Mary. <clears throat> if you remember, Mary did, do you remember Mary putting perfume on Jesus and anointing him with spices? Let's go back, let's go before we can find that in John chapter 12. Let's just look at that a minute, because I think it's interesting, uh, because both of these are women, both of them, and both stories involve women, both stories involve spices, and both stories involve burials. And so, let's see, let's see what happens here. So if you can, uh, John 12, chapter 12, verse 1, it says, six days before the Passover. Now this is the final, this is, this is just days, just a few days before Jesus is going to be crucified. So six days before, the, this is in the last week of his life. Jesus arrived at Bethany where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Uh, here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served, does that sound familiar? Good old Martha doing what good old Martha does, working hard. Uh, in the kitchen, while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. The risen from the dead Lazarus is there. Then Mary, the sister who liked to sit at Jesus' feet, she took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume, and some people feel that that amount of 
pure nard would probably have cost about a year's wages. You take a whole year's worth of wages and you buy this. So she took it and she poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, who was, in the original Greek it says, who was about to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He says right there, it was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. So this is John writing this from first-hand basis after the fact, saying the guy was a thief all along. He didn't care a bit about the poor. So verse 7 then is, Jesus says, Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. So what Jesus is saying here is that she basically is anointing my body for burial. Him knowing that in just a few days he would be crucified and would die and would be buried and would need to be anointed as part of the burial custom of the day. Um, And, of course, they don't know that. But he is saying, she's preparing my body for burial. I think that uh, Mary had this nard, this perfume, and her plan before meeting Jesus was to use this for her burial when she died. That this is an expensive thing. You, You buy this for a special reason. You put it aside and you you wait for a special occasion, kind of like that ribeye steak that I buy and I put in my freezer. <laughs> but you know, she bought this for a specific reason, it had to be something special. And probably what she was thinking was, and she may have even we don't know, they'll say that she may have already let people know that if she were to die, this Nard was here and to use for her burial. But then when she met Jesus, you know, her life changed and she, to show how much she loved him, was devoted to him, and what she, he meant to her and how he had changed, she sacrificed this special thing that was so meaningful to her and she gave it to Jesus in this way and anointed him with it instead of waiting. She didn't know about his burial. She didn't know anything about that. All she was doing was taking something that was meant for her burial and was just giving it to Jesus as an expression of love and devotion. He's the one that then said, she's preparing my body for burial. So. That could be also. That could also be. Yeah, that could also be the case. Although when he was buried, they hadn't used it. They didn't use it for him. They did. They didn't know Jesus was going to come. They, they, they. Yeah, but it's possible. It's possible. I'm not saying it's not. It's possible. But whatever it was, it was for someone's. It was. It was apparently for someone's burial, which means it was special to her. But she used it for Jesus. So my question is. 
Who really wasted their money? Because Judas says she wasted her money on this, using this perfume. She wasted it when it could have been sold and we could have taken this money. So Judas is accusing Mary of wasting this spite, these spices, wasting the money on these spices when they weren't needed. And Jesus said, "Uh uh-huh, yeah, but they are needed. But here in this passage, the women are buying spices to go anoint Jesus' body in his death, but they're really the ones who wasted their money. (laughs) Because Mary's spice, Mary's perfume, was used for the purpose of preparing Jesus' body for burial, and their spices were never used for that because, guess what? They didn't need them because Jesus ain't dead. So... Uh, that's just kind of an interesting side. One thing I thought was a great quote from J. Vernon McGee about uh, Mary using this uh, perfume uh, for Jesus. He said, friend, if we would learn to sit at Jesus' feet, we would give more to him too. <laughs> so, all right. So let's go on then. Verse 2. Uh, where are we? Okay. Very early on the first day of the week after the Sabbath, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb, and they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? So my first question is this. It's just, I'm just sitting there thinking. I'm just doing the math in my head. It's like, how much sleep did these women, how much sleep did these women get that night? Because they go out after the Sabbath, so it's after 6 o'clock, on Saturday night to buy the spices. How long does that take? I mean, it depends, you know, how long does it take you to go shopping for spices? I don't know. Secondly, then they have to come home and prepare the spices for the next day. So that takes some time. And then they were up and out the door before the uh, sun even came up uh, the next morning. By the time they got to the tomb, the sun had just come up. So it's early in the... So how much sleep did those ladies get that night? Or did they get any sleep at all? I don't know. But do, do you... Are you like me? Do you, do you hate it when you miss sleep for some reason? You miss your sleep? Do you just get in a bad mood because you miss your sleep? <laughs> oh... Yeah. The the thing that keeps me, if if anything keeps me awake at night when I go to bed, it's thinking. It's thinking. You can't turn your brain off. That's the hardest thing. If I lay there in bed, I'm I'm thinking about things, I'll never fall asleep. Cheryl, were you going to say something? Well, yeah, that's typical for me. So I now listen to a book to fall asleep, so I set a sleep timer. I usually fall asleep pretty fast because I'm getting my mind off of everything else. My strategy is I have a uh, what do you call those things? A Kindle dot thing in my in my bedroom. Yeah, Echo in my bedroom, and I I have it play uh, just background like white noise. I play an air conditioner. I say Echo, play air conditioner, and it sounds like an air conditioner. <laughs> And I turn that loud enough, and so what I do is I focus on that sound. So that keeps me from thinking about things. As I just concentrate on that sound, it t- kind of takes all the thought out of my head, which isn't that hard, really. And, uh, and that helps me. That helps me to fall asleep. So, 
But yeah, so okay, so these women, they probably didn't get much sleep that night as they were uh, heading out to, um, to, 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 to take care of Jesus as they, as they always did. And then it says, um, they asked each other as they were on the way, who will roll the stone away uh, for us? So they knew about the stone. Did they know about the guards? Did they know about the seal? Um, not sure, but I'm thinking probably they did. Probably, even though it was the Sabbath, probably word had gotten around, you know, how that how that does. One person said, hey, you know, they have guards out there now. And, you know, they have basically 24 hours after Jesus is buried before they're going, or a little bit more than that, and for, for word to spread, you know, and they're saying, hey, did you hear that they put guards out there? Did you hear they put the seal on the tomb? So I, I have a feeling that they were on their way knowing all of this, that the, the stone needed to be rolled away, that there were guards there, that, the, that the, the tomb had been sealed, and all of this was facing, that's, they were facing that, all of those things. So... People can keep a secret if two of them were dead. <laughs> True enough. So... Uh, I'm thinking that Mark isn't really telling us the whole story here because you have um, three three ladies, three women, who are walking to the tomb together, and I think they're talking about more than just who's. I think Mark just gave us the shorthand. Yeah, they were talking about who's going to move, who's going to roll the stone away because that was part of what they were talking about. But I have a hard time believing that, that was all they were talking about. I mean, what do you think? Do you think that they're? Do you think they were talking about other things too in the way? Do you share my thinking on that, or are they only talking about? You do. Well, but were they not? Were they not even talking about like, um, you know, just the the the, uh, the uh, crucifixion? I mean, this has just happened a day and a half ago. And they were there to see it, and I don't know that, you know, is this would, the, would they have been talking about that? Would they have been talking about? It could have. Been. That's possible. They that they were. But on another hand, some people that may they want to talk more. You know, if they have problems, they want to talk to anybody and everybody. <laughs> you know, just want to get it off their chest. You know, Becky. Just back at the three women. I think they were probably talking about how they touched. Yeah, why did this happen? Sad, confused, why? Yeah, why did this happen? Yeah. I tend to agree. I think there was a lot to talk about. They could be talking about the guards. They could be talking about the seal. They could be talking about the spices. Hey, did you get the, did you get the aloe? This was your job? Can I see it? I want to make sure. Uh, they, you know what else they could have been talking about? Here's here. Okay, I just thought here's what they were talking about. The disciples. Can you believe those guys? Where are they? They weren't even at the crucifixion. What's wrong with these people? That's what I'd have been talking about. Well, there's some personalities that went to God. If they saw an obstacle like this huge mega stone. Why even go? Right. And other people would say, we'll go and work it somehow. When we get there, we'll figure it out. But but I know, like Lance's person, he wouldn't have gone. Yeah, yeah. No, we can't get past this point. 
And the thing I think that confuses me is once that seal is on there, it's, it's against the law to break the seal. Right. So, I mean, that, if they knew it, they knew it was sealed, then they know they're going to have to break the law. I, I, I do think I do think you're onto something there in the fact that what could have I mean I mean you're probably right I mean maybe the disciples were just like you know it's done deal I can't do anything I can't un, I can't undo I can't redo so it's just a, a, a you know it's going to amount to nothing it's going to result in nothing why even try so it says something about these women that they just had this faith that. Like you said, some people just say it's it's going to work out. It's going to work out. Uh, it's like <laughs> so. I like to watch movies that have like more than one movie. That like have a series of movies. Like I watched all of the Marvel movies. Twenty five movies. Okay. I watched all of the Star Wars movies. Okay. In in chronological order. How about Lord of the Rings? I watched all of the Lord of the Rings. So lately, I just finished watching all of the Tom Cruise Mission Impossibles. There are six of them right now, and then there's a seventh one coming out next year. So I've watched them all. And here's what Tom Cruise, Ethan Hawke, in Mission Impossible, this is what he says all the time in, in all the movies. He always says to the people who are like, what are you going to do, Ethan? And he goes, I'll figure it out. He says it over and over again, I'll figure it out. It's like, that's a great plan, Ethan. I think maybe these women said, we'll just figure it out when we get there. They were like, Mission Impossible, this was a Mission Impossible, we'll figure it out. And sure enough, Ethan Hawke always does. And God had a plan for that. Okay, so so I think, I think when the women left to go to the tomb, their excitement level is at about a level five, right? They're like, they're kind of excited because they're doing this because they don't know what's going to be ahead of them. They don't know what they're going to do with the stone. They're going to do about the guards. And so they have this level of excitement as they leave their home to go to the, uh, to go to the tomb. So let's see what happens next. It says, yep, 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 yep sure. You're reading ahead, not aloud. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I know. That's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. So we'll talk about that a little bit here in just a second. Matthew says there was an earthquake. Right. When, when the angel came down, yeah. Yeah, so they yeah. may have been talking about an earthquake. <laughs> yeah, well, that's true. That's going to be about an earthquake. Hey, what about that earthquake? What about the earthquake? Good point. Yeah, good point. So then uh, it says, uh, where are we? Verse oh, 4. But when they uh, looked up, they saw that the stone, which was mega, mega, excessive mega, they had, it had been rolled away. Rolled away. So how do you think they felt? This is like, the thing that they're most worried about, they're most concerned about, the most difficult thing they had to do what they wanted to do, and when they get there, it's taken care of already. How, how do you think they felt, Becky? I'm really rethinking this, but those women were incredibly brave. True. They went, the disciples hit the road. 
Right. Uh, I'm going to enter the tomb, which is a scary thing, no matter what I find, like how. Um, Not because when they went in that tomb, I think they were expected to see a dead body, right? They didn't know it was empty because at that point in this story, uh, the, the, uh, and even in Matthew's story, by the time we worked it all out, when they went into the tomb, they hadn't talked to the angel yet. The angel hadn't talked to them. So they went in there. I think they went into the tomb, even though the stone was rolled away, fully expecting to see a dead, which that in and of itself can be scary. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I interrupted you. Oh, not the dead bodies, though. That was this. Is, well, I mean, this this is something that they do if they need to do. It's not something they do like every day. It's like isn't it their profession or something, you know. But but it still had to be. But it still had to be scary for them, right? I know. So so so, how would you have felt if you were one of the women? And this is the thing you're most worried about. You get there and it's already taken care of for you. Ah. Yeah. Well, that was the story that was that was the story that was circulated by the pre the chief priest that the body had been stolen, and uh, yeah, I mean, I guess. But again, the women would have known the disciples were huddling in fear that they weren't. So, so although they might have suspected that someone had stole the body, the first question would be, well, who would have done it? Because the disciples ain't going to do it. So who would have done it? And why would they have done it? Maybe you would think, I don't know what they would have thought. But, um, I would have said, hey, I told you it was going to work out. <laughs> I told you. I told you. Oh, you have little faith. I told you. Um, I, I think they were shocked. Wouldn't you just be shocked? It's like, oh my gosh, Really? Wow. And also maybe some relief. Oh, we don't have to de- we don't have to deal with it. It's, you know, like you go to the doctor, maybe you're not feeling well, something, there's some pain or something, and you go and you say, you think you always think the worst, right? Doctor, my fingers hurting, I'm dying. And he looks at me and says, You're fine. I had a little thing on my arm one time. I thought, oh my gosh, this is something serious. Some kind of tumor. I'm gonna have to have surgery. What if it's cancer? Oh my gosh! I might have to amputate my arm. I don't know. And the other doctor, he looks at you, goes, "Yeah, don't worry, that's fine. Not to worry about." I'm like, so number one, I was shocked. Number two, I was so relieved. Just oh, you know, it felt good to not have that worry. And I'm sure they felt good. They didn't have to worry. They were shocked, but they also felt relieved and felt good. They didn't have to worry about it. And so now their excitement level is ramped from like a level five of excitement when they left the house to now like maybe what a level eight maybe eight and a half because now the stone is rolled away and now they can get into the tomb and they can do what they came to do which is to anoint jesus body okay so next verse as they entered the tomb they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side and they were alarmed. And again, in the original Greek, it is greatly amazed. So um, now they go into the tomb expecting to find a dead Jesus, and they find an alive angel, which as Jan said, in Mark it says young man, and in Matthew it says angel. I think uh, Mark was just telling us that this was 
a, a, a male and a young-looking. So this angel was a young-looking male. This is his way of describing. He's not saying it's a man, not an angel. He's saying, he just didn't say it's an angel, but his implication is this is a, a young male dressed in white. The implication is it's certainly an angel. So this is just Mark kind of giving a shorthand of this is uh, this is the kind of angel, the kind of the kind of angel, the kind of messenger that was there, and um, they were they were greatly amazed. So now their excitement level that was five when they left the house, that was eight when they saw the stone rolled away, is now like 150 <laughs> because they have seen this. I mean, if you saw an angel, wouldn't wouldn't that be wouldn't that be the way you would feel about it? I mean, greatly amazed and excited and oh my goodness. And you expect to see a dead body and you walk in and there is dressed in white, this young male angel. And oh my goodness, what is going on here? I mean, it's just, just think about it. You know, they're walking in with their spices. They're excited because now they can get in and anoint Jesus' body. And they walk in, they're looking for a, a, a corpse that's now a couple of days, three days in the tomb, and they don't know exactly what Joseph and Nicodemus did, and they just have this expectation of going in and seeing something and then seeing something completely and totally miraculous and amazing and incredible. There's an angel. I mean, it kind of reminds you, doesn't it, when... Um, John the Baptist's father, Zechariah, walked in to do his priestly duty in the temple, just expecting to do what he was supposed to do, and there's an angel in there with this message about he's going to have a son. I mean, what? You know, or Mary herself, when she went out to, I don't know, I don't know what she was doing when the angel Gabriel appeared to her to tell her that she was going to be Jesus' mother, but I have this... For some reason, this picture in my mind, she was like out in the barn milking the cow or something, and all of a sudden, Gabriel appears to her, and she kicks over the milk, bu milk bucket and says, what's going on? So it's an amazing thing, greatly amazed. Of course, of course, they were uh, greatly amazed. And... Yeah, they always have to say don't don't be. They always have to say don't don't be afraid, right? Because we're always afraid. I imagine if an angel appeared to me, I would be afraid too. So what does he say? Just what you're saying, Cheryl, verse six. Don't be alarmed. Don't be amazed. He said. Uh, he uses the same word. Don't be amazed. Uh, you are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. And now their excitement level goes even higher. Oh my goodness. He's alive. He's risen. He's not here. And then he says, behold the place where they laid him. I just love it again. Behold. And he just kind of goes, and they look, oh my goodness, what? The place where they laid him. And probably those, uh, those burial cloths were there, right? which uh, Peter and John saw when they got there later. Behold, the place where they laid him. But he ain't there! And then he says, 
and this is, we'll finish with this today. Uh, but go tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee, and there you will see him just as he told you. Why? Mark is the only one of all the four gospel writers who adds those two words to his story. Go and tell the disciples and Peter. Why was it important to Mark to say, to make a special notice? Tell the disciples and Peter that he is risen and gone before you into Galilee. <laughs> He's deeper in incognito and then uh, it's. Yeah. Peter was uh, Mark's mentor. Correct. Most of what we read in Mark, because Mark was not an apostle, right? Mark, this is John Mark. Mark was not there every single day of three years walking with Jesus as the disciples were. Mark was not a disciple. And so Mark gives his story, his gospel story, about a lot of detail about what happened when he, Mark himself, was not there. Where did Mark get this, the info? Where did he get his information from? Well, almost everybody feels that Mark got his information from Peter, that he and Peter were good friends, and that actually, uh, like we said, um, Dennis said that, that Peter was John Mark's mentor. They spent a lot of time together, and Peter basically told these stories to Mark, and Mark wrote them down. So what you're reading when you read Mark is basically Peter, Peter's story and Peter's version of what happened. And so if that is true, then certainly Mark, it was important to him because of Peter's denial of Jesus. So if you're in a group, like if, like if you're in a group, right, of people and, uh, and one of those in, in your group does something to alienate himself to the group, then you kind of are done with that person, right? Well, just he's just out of the group, you know, whatever that person did. I mean, let's say, let's say, let's say you're in a group and the treasurer of the group steals some money. And so you say, you're out of the group, we want nothing to do with you because you know you're you're a bad guy. And so you move on without that person. Well, in, a, in kind of a way, the disciples could have had that could have had that same kind of feeling. Hey, we're the disciples. Okay, Judas already obviously is out, but also Peter, you denied Jesus three times. So you know we're done with you. I think by then it was probably pretty well known. I mean, John was there. And saw, and saw it and heard it because John and Peter were both there when it happened. So I think by and you know there were other people around. So I think it's probably pretty common knowledge by this time that Peter had done that. He himself may have ostracized himself. Might be a self ostracization as well. That's very possible. So either way. So what the angel wants the disciples to know is Peter is still. A part of the group. I've forgiven Peter. Don't don't exclude Peter. 
what Peter did is forgiven, and Peter still needs to be brought back into the into the group, and you need to forgive him and welcome him back because I do. So tell the disciples and Peter. And the reason it's important to Mark is because Mark was good friends with Peter, and Mark wanted the disciples to know that this message that the angel's giving you to go ahead of him into Galilee and meet him there is not only for you guys, it's also for Peter. Bring Peter back into the group, make him part of the whole, forgive him, and he also qualifies to go to Galilee as one of us now. And so that was important for Mark especially. It's important for God to let the disciples know, and it was important for Mark to let the disciples know that it included Peter in this message. So, All right, anything else before we... I don't know. I don't know of any female uh, angels in the Bible, no. But could there not be? I'm not going to say categorically. The non-binary. I mean, some some people say that uh, the reason that that Mark calls it uh, calls him a man is because of getting it from Peter. You know, Peter, when Peter got there, uh, he did not see an angel or a man in white. When Peter got to the tomb, that was already done and over and finished. And so all Peter had to go on was what the women told him, and he wasn't totally, as we know, when he left the tomb after going to the tomb, Peter wasn't completely convinced of what he saw. uh, John saw and believed that Jesus was resurrected, but Peter saw and walked away confused. So some people feel that, you know, when Peter told this to Mark, that Peter said it was a man because Peter wasn't totally convinced that it was an angel. Uh, But uh, Peter also, um, there are other things that Peter did not uh, see and know that Mark has included. So it's hard to say, but that could be, you know, I guess that that could be a possible explanation that Peter in giving Mark the story wasn't totally sold on the fact that it was an angel, but I don't think so. I think by this time, uh, you know, having by the time Mark writes this, everybody knows Jesus was resurrected. Everybody knows this was an angel. By the time he wrote this, there was no question about it. So I don't think that was it. I think it was just the fact that Mark was just saying, obviously it was an angel. It was also a young man angel, you know, so just to be descriptive of that. So, Okay, we'll come back and finish. We'll kind of, go, kind of come back and put the finishing touches on Mark. Uh, next week, and then we'll head over to to uh, take a quick look at Matthew, Mark, oh, Luke, too. So, all right. So I have. That concludes this episode of Where's God. Finding Him in the Small Stuff Bible Study. I pray that you've learned something new about the Lord today, and He's given you some new insight into who He is and how much He loves you. Remember, the eternal God is our refuge, and underneath are the everlasting arms. May in that refuge today and those everlasting arms, you find the provision that you need, the protection that you need, 
the power that you need, and through those, the peace that you need. Remember, he said, my peace I give you. Peace be with you. Shalom.